You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Domecast, the uh, news and observer and insiders weekly foray into uh, the world of politics in North Carolina. It's a it's been a wild time uh, these last few weeks with House Bill Two. Uh, spring has arrived. It's beautiful outside. Uh, baseball season has started. Um, the short session of the legislature is about to begin, and we're going to start this morning with another uh, new arrival to um, to our team here at the uh, News and Observer and the Insider. Uh, insider reporter Dan Boylan. Uh, Dan is from a native of Massachusetts. He's been on the job. Uh, this is his first week. Um, Welcome, Dan, to uh, to the Domecast and to uh, to the Insider. Pat, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, you will become a regular on this uh, podcast, whether you want to or not. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Let, let people know what you want them to know about you, and I'm sure they'll learn a lot more about you as they read your stuff. I'll start uh, at the dawn of time. I, I had the pleasure of working on my first political campaign when I was an 11-year-old, uh, Sign, sealing snail mail envelopes and putting up signs for none other than Barney Frank in Massachusetts. Uh, my father was a field operative for, uh, for him. I then uh, got into politics in Massachusetts and worked for an operation similar to uh, The Insider. It was an independent newswire within the Mass Statehouse. Uh, we really covered the guts of, of public policy from both the House, the Senate, and the executive. Um, I then uh, did a lot of work overseas, and after 9-11, I actually worked a lot with the U.S. government, uh, working with Muslim journalists from Indonesia to Morocco, uh, all across the Muslim world, with rough stops in the midst of uh, both uh, Kabul and Baghdad uh, at the height of the of the wars. So that was working press operations, uh, facilitating for journalists, working a lot with local journalists, and uh, also working with uh, sometimes the White House or high levels of the Department of Defense. And not to not to make light of it, but you've been in some uh, dangerous places uh, over the years. How was your first week in the uh, in the General Assembly building? Well, my uh, within my first month in Baghdad, I actually saw Saddam Hussein uh, at his trial just before he was uh, executed. So I, I thought I, I went into one of the bathrooms there at the General Assembly close to the House uh, chamber, and I wondered if I uh, was running into an old ghost. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Whatever. I'm kidding. It was uh, it was a lively week. Body cams. There were body cams, and in fact, that probably a lot of the body cam technology goes back to uh, right back to U.S. military incursions from last decade. So I saw body cams and also Medicaid. So um, somebody gets shot, there's Medicaid, and that's the glory of sort of going back into state government. You f- you feel it all right in front of you. You see it all right in front of you. I think people can hear it in your voice uh, where you're from uh, from Boston. Massachusetts, right? You're, uh, I think you told me, a Patriots and a Red Sox fan. Everybody has their flaws. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, that's it, right. it's that's good right. to have you here, and we look forward to uh, working with you for sure. Um, you're just kind of getting to know everybody at the NNO uh, this week, and, and we have one more week before uh, the session starts, which uh, is the uh, every other year short session of the legislature. Colin, tell us a little bit about the short session, just what it is, why you know why we have it, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it starts April 25th, and for those who are not as intimately engaged in, in North Carolina politics, it's uh, called the short session because it is supposed to be short, and um, they're hoping to get out, I think, by uh, the beginning of July. The ma- main goal is just to 
uh, sort of polish up the budget uh, for the second year of the the two year budget period. So there'll be some budget changes, there'll be some tax changes, some state employee um, raises and uh, salary type. Uh, adjustments made uh, during that time, but there's uh, also the potential to do any of a number of things. Uh, as always is the case with the legislature, uh, really nothing can be too surprising, and, and any issue is fair game to come up at any time with any amount of minimal notice. So uh, we'll be interested to see what all surfaces uh, this time around. There has been a whole lot of talk about the special session, just be- or the uh, short session, because we had the special session, and uh, HB2 has sort of sucked a lot of the air out, and, and most of us haven't even been thinking uh, into the next couple of weeks with the, the legislature returning to town. But uh, certainly going to be a lot uh, to look at um, as, as we go into that. Um, I know the, some of the, the rhetoric has already started. I was at a press conference yesterday for Progress NC, which was uh, – Using the impending tax day, which, by the way, is Monday, you get a couple years, a couple days uh, extension this year. Um, using that as sort of a, a peg to talk about tax changes, the new sales taxes, the changes to income taxes over the past few years, making the argument that Republicans have raised taxes on certain folks who benefited from uh, deductions and uh, things like the earned income tax credit. Um, but ultimately, what I think what we're going to see in the short session is uh, probably more of the same. Uh, Republicans maybe uh, are, have actually already started working on some draft bills that uh, will, I think, increase the standard deduction. So the amount of money you can make without paying uh, income taxes will be higher uh, this time around. They argued that uh, helps folks, particularly at the, the bottom end of the spectrum, um, but it gives somewhat of a boost to just about everybody. Um, so that's probably going to be on the, the radar screen. We won't see exactly the details of that. Uh, we're curious to see if more sales tax changes occur uh, this time around. There were a few things like pet care and veterinary care that were on the table for uh, taxation last year, and they decided not to do that. So we'll see if uh, if that pops up in uh, the, the span of the short session. Uh, but it, like I say, any of a number of issues could uh could surface in the, the next couple of months, and uh, hopefully they'll actually keep it to a couple of months and we won't be doing podcasts about the short session in September. Yeah, nobody, I don't I don't think anybody really wants to try to gauge how long the short session is going to be at this point. I mean, we've heard anything from about six weeks to three months, and it, it could go longer. Yeah, I did the- notice that the um, appropriations uh, committee meetings have already been noticed for the, uh, the first week, which I think is an encouraging sign that um, some sort of uh, budget proposals are already being shaped and will be ready to be rolled out when the legislature gets back into town. But who knows? The House gets the budget uh, first this year, I believe, once the governor presents his budget. I talked to Nelson Dollar last week, Representative Nelson Dollar, the top uh, House budget writer, and he said they expect the governor's budget sometime the end of this month, I believe. Have you heard any any different? Yeah, that's what I've heard is that he's supposed to be ready to roll it out around the time that they uh, come back into session. He's already rolled out a couple of uh, little points about teacher raises and some Medicaid uh, funding that he wants to to get out of the budget. Yeah, I ran into a Republican kind of operative uh, the other day and asked him what the short session is going to be all about. And in typical Republican fashion, it's going to be budget. It's going to be state employee teacher raises. It's going to be regulatory reform. It's going to be tax changes. And I'm probably missing one thing in there, but the the things we hear all, you know, the things we've heard the last several years. Yeah, that, um, that same, opening uh, press conference uh, when they start may feel like a little bit covering Groundhog Day is that the message will be the same as we heard a year ago, and, and the, the, the minutia of the things that we all get up in arms about uh, will only come out in time. Correct. You know, uh, looming over this whole thing, though, is uh, the political implications for the governor. This he is had, Craig Jarvis from the News and Observer, by the way, yeah, stepping in. Sorry, dude. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I think the governor had hoped to hoped to go into this session with a big victory under his belt, which was the big bonds issue they just passed. He had, was really uh, campaigning for that. It's a big uh, infrastructure improvement, big education building boost, and uh, a real win for him. And uh, he, but overshadowing, we've already forgotten about it. I think because the HB two controversy has pretty much taken over everything. And they, I don't know if there's a bill. Will, you know, if that battle will be fought in any meaningful way in the short session, but it's certainly looming. The implications are looming overhead. Yeah, we'll talk about House Bill 2 more in our second segment. And real quick to wrap this one up, uh, we have some new faces that will be in the halls of the legislature, not only Dan Boylan, um, but some new um, uh, legislators' faces. And we'll have some uh, you know, uh, well-known, uh, prominent faces that will be leaving us this year. Colin, uh, go through a couple of those if you can, and then we'll uh, skip over to Craig to talk about a couple. Yeah, so the um, folks that are, are taking off this year um, will be uh, mainly Paul Stam, uh, Tom Apodaca, Bob Rucho. Some of the, the big conservative stalwarts um, are, are in their last session and, and won't be running for re-election. Um, and then you've got some uh, some new folks coming in, uh, Chris Grow. Uh, is the most interesting, I think, of, of the new folks coming in because he's the head of Equality North Carolina, which is the uh, main LGBT uh, advocacy group that's been pushing back against House Bill 2. So when Ralph Johnson, uh, representative Democrat from uh, Greensboro, passed away last month, um, the Greensboro Democratic Party, uh, I think in a sense, just kind of stuck it to the Republicans by saying, um, oh, well, we we don't have much power on, on repealing this, but we'll at least send uh, a guy to the legislature who's that's his key issue, and he actually will be the only openly gay member of the uh, the legislature. Uh, then you've got uh, the only doctor in the legislature that I'm aware of, Greg Murphy, who's from Greenville. He replaces uh, Republican legislator uh, Brian Brown, who stepped down. Uh, Senator Dan Suchek is uh, stepping down. Um, uh, his replacement, I don't think, has been formally picked yet by the the county Republican Party is up in that Boone Mountain area of the state. Um, then we've got Kyle Hall, who's I think might be the youngest member of the legislature, at least one of them. He's currently an aide to Congressman Mark Walker, uh, but he'll be a Republican from, I think, Stokes County stepping in to fill Brian Holloway's uh, seat in the House. Uh, and then on the Senate side, uh, Josh Stein, who's running for attorney general, has uh, stepped out of the ball game uh, to work on his campaign. So Jay Chaudhry, who just won the uh, Democratic primary in that uh, that Senate seat in Raleigh, uh, is going to be stepping into that seat. So some new faces to look forward to as we get into there. I, I think you covered them all. I hope, hope yeah, we, I don't think we I miss could, anybody. I don't think I could add anything. What's interesting about Jay Chaudhry is I have the sense he's part of this old guard Democratic wave of uh, Chaudhry, who used to work for Cooper. Uh, Josh Stein, who used to work for Cooper, and Cooper himself. They're all, they're all kind of moving up in the there's world. There's a gubernatorial pipeline there. If yeah, Cooper succeeds, yeah. then Josh Stein gets to be the next guy, yeah. and then after that, Chaudhry moves up yeah. the AG. It, it really <laughs> represents the Democratic reign, the old guard, really, against the uh, the uh, you know Republican insurgency that has taken over the last few years. So uh, we'll see the, how, how, they, uh, how they do. Well, we have, uh, basically, as we're recording this, we have nine days or so before nine or ten days before don't the remind session. me about how much work i have to do in our uh, our pre-session uh preview coverage somehow <laughs> i don't feel rested <laughs> yeah i know that's a good point uh colin uh the news and observer and the insider will both have pretty extensive pre-session coverage coming up in the next uh, week or so so keep your eyes on that uh, on both the websites and uh in the newspaper and we'll be back uh, right after this with our second segment on house bill two Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year, 
What if you left for two years? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself? Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. And we're back on the Domecast. Uh, this is Pat Gannon from The Insider. You're filling in as host today. Um, I have with me uh, Craig Jarvis and Colin Campbell, where, where, where we will talk about the uh, the news that has dominated the headlines the past uh, couple weeks uh, in North Carolina and beyond. And that, of course, is House Bill 2. I was driving in to record this uh, this morning or this afternoon, I guess we're, we're taping here on Friday afternoon, and was listening to the David Glenn Show, Sports Talk Radio, uh, 99.9 The Fan, and just about everything he talked about was House Bill 2 related, which which gets at the the crazy uh, reach of this story. I mean, here's a, here's a, a radio host in Raleigh, a sports radio host in Raleigh, whose show is almost dedicated to House Bill 2. He was talking specifically about the fact that the NBA might be considering uh, pulling the all-star game uh, the NBA all-star game out of Charlotte in 2017 we've learned just recently uh, just before we uh, stepped in here to record the show that that they're, the, the NBA is apparently not considering that at all so I guess that's good news uh, for Charlotte and North Carolina on that front but we've had many other uh, businesses um, conferences tourists um, um, uh Rock legends uh, decide they're not going to um, uh, do their business here because of, no pun intended, because of uh, House Bill Two. And Craig, we're going to kick it over to you. What's the late? What you know? What what was the latest this week on the issue that has uh, freaked everybody out? I guess the biggest thing this week was <clears throat> earlier in the week the governor issued an executive order pertaining to House Bill Two, which is what we're calling it now. It's actually got a title that's something I forget, what restroom facilities and securities act or something. But uh, anyway, he he said because of widespread misunderstanding, uh, misinformation, confusion, and a whole lot of general blowback, uh, he uh, issued this order. It's not clear to most people that it really clarified much. I mean, it was really kind of confusing in, in, on many levels, at least I thought so. Uh, he didn't touch the core issue at all, which was that, um, you know, which was the access to bathroom use. Uh, that, that wasn't part of it. He, <clears throat> he did say he would ask the legislature to get rid of one provision that, that eliminated filing an a employment discrimination lawsuit in state court. Uh, he extended the state the policy for state workers to include uh, gender identity and sexual orientation as part of the uh, protected classes. Um, you know, so but it was kind of a it was kind of a mishmash, a little confounding uh, to, to, to follow. So the uh, the provision, the state court, the the ability to sue over employment <clears throat> dis- discrimination in state court that had existed since I, I believe the seventies. Uh, or, or thereabouts, right? It, it wasn't based on any statute, but it was common law. What had developed, and, and, it, and it was pretty much what lawyers who deal with these kind of cases had had grown used to. And the governor, in his executive order, urged the legislature <laughs> to consider um, bringing that option back uh, for folks who are who are 
discriminated in, in employment. Correct. They've always they've still had a, a, a federal option, but there are limitations to that. That that everyone had just gotten used to the the state option. So that was an elimination of a uh, of a certain protection. That and there's no guarantee that the General Assembly will will listen to the governor on that. No, I mean I don't know what I think. If anything, that's the provision they'll change. Might be something else, but that's the one that. The, the rest of it's kind of a hot potato, and they're either going to digging their heels in or just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. And the statements we saw from Berger and Moore were sort of supportive of the executive order, they but were. not not in any sort of detail. They didn't say, right. "Yeah, Governor, we're we do think we need to change this this lawsuit provision." It was just like, "Well, good good on him for explaining how common sense our bathroom policy is." Right. They kind of read what they wanted to in, into it. Yeah, the only opposition I guess I saw was from the uh, a lot of the sort of religious right groups. Craig, you wrote something about correct. that. Yeah, right, the, right. They were not. Uh, they, they didn't like the ex- extending the state employee policy to include these new protections. They they, they have a big problem with that. They uh, they like everything else he's doing, and we're talking mainly about equality, North Carolina, and uh, family policy council, Christian well, equality, League. North Carolina. They're on the oh, I'm the sorry. Anti- it's a uh, values, values coalition. Values coalition. Tammy Fitzgerald group. That, yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. There are now these uh, kind of. It's not just state interest groups. There are national groups that are battling it out in this state and others, and that includes on the uh, anti HB two side, the Human Rights Campaign, which is joined with Equality NC to fight this, both a lawsuit against the law, and then this week they filed a uh, public records request with the governor's office saying if they, well, with the governor, Phil Berger, and House Speaker Tim Moore, any correspondence they've had with these national groups. The Human Rights Campaign is a very large organization. McCrory has kind of pointed to that as in, in nefarious ways, but they are a big organization, and yes, they're out to get him on this issue. They've got about a $50 million budget. They spent a lot of money on lobbying. Uh, on the other side, the communication that they wanted to get was this group out of Arizona called the Alliance for Freedom. And they've been a player here in North Carolina on a number of issues. The big one was the same-sex marriage um, amendment. They, they came in and sort of looked, were hired to look over the attorney general's shoulder uh, on that case. So it's, you know, this, these are, and then there's, you know, Republican and Democratic interests as uh, behind all this as the governor is up for re-election and a lot of implications. It's far more than just bathrooms. So North Carolina has basically become a, a, a national battleground um, for both sides in this in this fight over, you know, equality and and uh, gay and transgender rights. And it'd be interesting to see. I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that both sides, the House Bill Two opponents and the House Bill Two supporters, plan uh, big protests or gatherings the first day of session is that is that right yeah that's that's what we hear i i i think if there's some clergy there's the more moral monday yeah the naacp is planning sit-ins so they're going to be doing their civil disobedience i expect there'll be arrest right um and there are a couple more i don't know if it'll be the first day of session but there are several more rallies planned by the values coalition type folks who are wanting lawmakers to know that uh that they support them and that they want them to stand, stand strong and, and not make any changes to the law it'll be interesting to see how much bandwidth in the short session, House Bill Two takes up um, when there there are a lot of other issues that that the state intends to and needs to uh, tackle and consider. Um, anything else on House Bill Two? Uh, yeah. I'm sure before we get done filming this or filming taping this, there'll be another. Uh, another press release or two going out about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's just every single day there's more groups that weigh in there. I guess today was uh, the 
uh, more business interests were American Express, United Airlines, Visa, Bloomberg jumped in there opposing. A bunch of bookstores jumped in there opposing it. Some college faculty had a petition. Um, it's it's just hard to keep track of it all as a journalist. It's it's kind of and it's all very one sided too. So you want to have both sides of the story, but when you're getting 800 press releases a day from people on the same side of the issue and all of it somewhat newsworthy, it can be kind of a struggle. Hey, Pat, this is Dan Boylan. I was just going to say that on my way into uh, Raleigh about uh, two weeks ago, I was watching the BBC over in uh, Turkey, and none other than Governor McCrory popped up. And right in front of me right here, I've got a headline from Le Monde, France's leading paper, that's got Bruce Springsteen, a new lune concert in Carolina du Nord. <laughs> it's great that we're so making they, international they headlines go. for this. Hey, international headlines. Yeah, That's Dan, did you think you were going to become a uh, full-time uh, bathroom beat reporter when you took That's this job? Dum, dum, That's right. <laughs> All right, folks. Right. Um, we will be back with our uh, most popular segment, Headliners of the Week, in just a moment. My great-grandparents came to North Carolina with nothing, but through hard work, they helped make the old North State what it is today. A land of opportunity, one that continues to attract those in search of a better life. It's natural to be wary of newcomers, but North Carolinians have a tradition of hospitality. It's how we show new neighbors what it means to be a Tar Heel. Immigrants, no matter where they came from, bring a lot to North Carolina, and North Carolina brings a lot to them. To learn how new families are making this state stronger, visit unitingnc.org. Welcome back to the Domecast, and now it's time for... Who is your Headliner of the Week? Who is your Headliner of the Week? Who is your Headliner of the Week? Head, 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 headliner of the Week. And we're back on the Domecast for our third and, and final segment uh, that we like to call Headliners of the Week. I have Craig Jarvis from the News and Observer, Colin Campbell from the News and Observer, and Dan Boylan. Uh, the newest addition to the state government and insider team uh, here. Uh, we're going to start with Craig. Who is your headliner of the week? I think this is a first-time nominee. Uh, Donald Vandervart with the, the Secretary of the Department of Environmental Quality. There was an interesting story this week in which <clears throat> there was a fight over uh, an air quality permit that uh, DEQ had issued for a cement plant expansion down near Wilmington <clears throat> in Castle Hayne, actually. Titan cement. Titan cement. It's been going on for a long time. Very controversial. Um, there was a, um, <clears throat> a motion by some environmental groups to file a, um, to participate, to intervene in the case so they could have a say in this. And, uh, part of a, uh, a friend of the court brief was filed by several UNC professors saying this is an appropriate thing to do to allow outside parties to participate. Well, while that was being litigated, Titan pulled the plug on the whole project, said they're not going to do it. So the very same day, <clears throat> the uh, Department of Environmental Quality then hit U UNC Chapel Hill with a massive public records request for everything that these particular professors had done, uh, like not just copies of drafts and memos and things, but like phone logs and phone bills, very extensive. Uh, the, the professors are saying it's a uh, witch hunt, suppresses academic freedom. Uh, DEQ says, no, we just want to know what they were thinking. Donald Vandervart, the uh, Secretary of the Department of Environmental Quality, is in the hat. Colin Campbell, who's your headliner of the week? 
Well, I'm going to jump back to my uh, tried and true tradition of doing uh, inanimate objects, and I'm going with uh, air horns this week. Uh, Went to cover uh, probably one of the most unusual uh, protest events I've covered. It was, not surprisingly, a House Bill 2 protest over at the governor's mansion Uh, in order to get the governor's attention. And and I don't know whether they did or not, because I don't know whether he was home or not. uh, A bunch of uh, opponents of House Bill 2 brought air horns and made an incredibly loud and obnoxious ruckus out front of the, the governor's mansion. Uh, there was police arrayed uh, on, on both sides. They didn't let them cross the street to the governor's mansion, but surprisingly, the police just stood there very stoically, did not stop them, did not try to cite them with a noise ordinance violation. Uh, apparently, there's a uh, air horn-related loophole in the city of Raleigh's uh, noise ordinance where uh, they, they banned sirens and gongs, amplified sound of all kinds, but because air horns aren't really amplified by any sort of electric means, uh, they don't count. So uh, they were able to... Uh, hold their uh, protest without having any problems um, and uh, probably annoy whoever was in the governor's mansion. They're planning to do it uh, every Wednesday. So eventually I think they'll, uh, they'll catch the governor at home. Air horns. Uh, that's definitely a first and, and maybe a last uh, headline. Hopefully a last. I don't want to cover another air horn protest. My ears do not like <laughs> Maybe that. we need a statewide law to uh, eliminate that loophole in the air horn laws. Yeah, maybe that's a short session um, thing that they'll it, be doing. It might be. All right, Colin's got air horns. Craig has uh, Secretary Vandervart. And now we're going to go to uh, Dan Boylan from The Insider, his first headliner of the week. Who's your nominee? Thank you, Pat. I actually just got off the phone earlier this afternoon with Denise Weeks, who served as the House Principal Clerk for the last 24 years. Uh, earlier this year, before uh, session, uh, she announced that she was going to retire after being principal house clerk for 24 years. She started at the General Assembly in 1977. She's been called one of the most proficient clerks uh, in the in the country in terms of uh, state legislatures. And in 2003, she actually won the National Conference of State Legislature, Legislative uh, Staff Achievement Awards. So she's one of the most decorated, decorated folks here in Raleigh in terms of uh, state government and as I say, she was she had plans to do some traveling this summer, get back to you know some sort of a calmer life outside of the public uh, spotlight. However, she's been asked by uh, leadership on both sides of the aisle, from the Democrats and the Republicans, to stick around until the session ends. Probably because she's got such expertise, it's a quick, you know, it's a short session, it's fast and furious, and they want to train somebody up. Things will run uh, more smoothly in the House, I'm sure, as a result of that. Uh, Denise Weeks. Um, is in the hat, uh, the house principal clerk, um, along with air horns and secretary Vandervart. Um, Hmm. I think we're going to give this one to Dan Boylan, uh, uh, with Denise weeks for, for all of our listeners who know, uh, miss weeks, miss weeks very well and have for a long time. Um, Clearly, she will she will help the uh, General Assembly run smoother uh, uh, by the fact that she's staying on, and I'm sure she'll be training somebody to, uh, to take her place for the long session in 2017 um, uh, during the short session. So we're going to go with Dan Boylan on his first Headliner of the Week nominee. Uh, Denise Weeks is our Headliner of the Week. Um, Denise Weeks is our Headliner of the Week. Um, we'll be back. Uh, we'll see you again next week on the Domecast. Uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.